Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Pixel Swim podcast, the podcast about design and technology and the Venn diagram where they meet and other tidbits and science and stuff like that. So thanks for tuning in. My name is Steve Heinrich. Today is April 25th, 2018. So yeah, episode 14. Let's start off with some notes and news from the last week. Actually, I have <laughs> quite a bit here this week. So I just wanted to report back on a few things uh, and then go over maybe a couple articles I found. Starting with the reporting back on the Lumia 950, I had mentioned in the last episode that I was going to take it in to work to shoot you know, some basic video. And it failed hard. <laughs> what happened was the audio on the video was really terrible. So luckily, while I recorded the first part of the video, it was a multi-part video that we were filming in in the office. And so luckily, I was taking my headphones along with me and uh, kind of testing the videos after I shot them, you know, just a little preview before we moved on. And I noticed there was heavy distortion in the in the video in the the audio. I'm sorry, the video looked great, but the audio was super distorted and it was sounded really bad and muffled. And so I luckily only one part of the video was shot with that. And then I switched over to my LG Q6 to get the rest of the footage. So I caught it early in, in the shooting process, thankfully, and then when I was editing, I, you know, I, I definitely heard the the distortion in the video. It sounded almost like electronic distortion. And so I don't know if it was because of the equipment and the machinery that, that my, uh, that they have in the building where I work. So I think it could potentially be that, but I also pulled off the back cover of the 950 and around the microphone ports or holes, there are little rubber kind of or rubberized or foam little tiny foam discs that surround them and they were both mushed over and covering up the microphone holes and that potentially could be part of the issue or maybe the main issue that I had with the video on that so it was really strange uh I don't think those covering, I, I pull them off. I pulled off the little foam discs and just don't have them on there now. I think they're more to keep dust out and stuff like that. So not pertinent to the, you know, it's not like it's waterproof or anything. So it just doesn't necessarily explain the audio distortion. And there was very heavy, bassy, magnetic, vibrating sound, it almost felt like. So not sure what was going on there, but luckily the Q6 did the job for the day. But I'm going to continue to look into why the 950 kind of had those issues. So yeah, just a little bit disappointing, but hopefully it's nothing too crazy <laughs> or you know nothing wrong with the unit itself but I hadn't actually really shot much video up until that point but we'll see <laughs> yeah I'm gonna do some testing and then try and get that sorted so this week also actually today I ordered a yellow Lumia 920 so I had mentioned in the past that I was going to get a a, a classic Lumia device or a Windows Phone 8.1 device to have in my archive. And I thought, you know, I've, I've been searching and people, you know, have given suggestions and I kind of was leaning towards the 920 because of the price. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those classic Lumia devices back in the heyday of the Lumia. So I thought I would 
look heavily at that. I really wanted to get a Lumia 1020, but I couldn't really justify the cost over here in the U.S. So they were about $170 just to have in the archive. You know, Now I know I could use the camera and test it out and stuff like that, but the chances of me using it a lot uh, were not high. So I went with the Lumia 920 for about $70 uh, in almost new condition. I got it off of eBay. And I got a basic black TPU case for that. So I've, that should be coming next week, hopefully early next week. And I can report back on how that looks and, you know, everything that's going on with that. So but I also wanted to mention because I was looking for a nice TPU case for it and I couldn't find anything really nice. I mean, the one I got was about three dollars, <laughs> you know, black. It has that like plaid uh, pattern on it. And which I'm not a huge fan of, but there's not a ton of choices out there. But I did notice that there is an, uh, an official Nokia kind of TPU case out there that's available, but not widely available. And so I searched on eBay and there's there's a gray version, which I did not want to get. But there's also a yellow version of it. And I've watched a couple of review videos. And when they put the case on it, it's extremely well fitting. And it's, a, you know, it's everything you would kind of want in a tpu case it fits well and it protects you know and 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 because it's yellow and excuse me and because it's the official nokia case it it matches and and fits very well and so it's the cc-1043 so i couldn't find a good one here in the u.s i did find on amazon.co.uk the yellow version for let's see it is seven pounds 49 so the only issue is is that they don't you know won't ship to the u.s so i'm just gonna put a link to that in the show notes and maybe anybody in the uk or who can potentially get this in and maybe ship it over the pond to me i would be more than willing to flip the bill for the entire thing if some you know if somebody wants to help me out kind of like how i i sent that case over to uh ted salmon for the moto z2 play i think it was but in this case i would actually i'd send send you know send payment before everything you know so yeah reach out if you uh potentially could help me out with that so that would be great okay so that's a few phone related things uh as far as Uh, for me this week, but I wanted to go over a few articles and just kind of real quickly on some of them, maybe a little more in depth on a couple, but uh, just to things that have been going, I've been trying to catch up on some, you know, the, the tech news and stuff like that. But the first one is an article that I saw on Engadget called Amazon can deliver packages to the inside of your car. And <laughs> all I could think was, oh, man, Amazon is stopping at nothing to be the only place where you buy things. And they're trying to make it as convenient as possible to be, <laughs> you know, to put themselves ahead of the game. And, and this is crazy to me that they, you know, you, that they would get a one time kind of access code to your car and then they could pop open your trunk or your your boot and and put the package in there and they'll let you know when it's delivered so i mean it's a great idea it really is i just i don't trust amazon anymore i really don't i just i don't know what it is well i should say i know what it is it's it's you know the the fact that they're essentially becoming a monopoly for everything so kind of undercutting i don't know i I just i i just don't trust them but either way 
yeah, they're delivering to cars now. So have at it, Prime members, I guess. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. I'll share the article in the show notes so you can check check that out. There's a video that kind of goes over it as well. So, so also this week, it, it was kind of widely reported that uh, Gmail got its redesign, which I, I spoke a little bit about last week. I only had the screenshots at that point, but actually went in and changed my main Gmail account to the new Gmail design. So uh, it's okay. You know, I, I tried it out. I It's still enabled. Uh, there was no real reason to go back to the other, you know, the old version of Gmail after up, updating the settings to show the new Gmail settings slash design slash features. So yeah, not a ton different, honestly, in the way that I'm using Gmail now. Things just kind of look different. I'm not 100% sold on it. I think I'm kind of in that anti-change mode right now. So I'm sure eventually it'll grow on me once the features kind of come in handy. So we'll see how that goes. I, I think it looks good for the most part. I'm just not 100% sold. I don't know. I kind of thought that the old Gmail design was nice. So, But like I said, I'm probably in that that denial stage where, you know, where things change and you just you don't want them to so but if you get the chance to turn it on because you can turn it off again and and just take a look uh this is on the web i don't know about the app i don't remember seeing an update for the app in the same time frame as this so but yeah gmail you know they, they've as far as their updates go this is is one of the bigger ones so i will say that it's it as much as speedy as they're trying to make it some of the interface I feel like is a little bit not it's nice now because you can actually condense down the left sidebar menu with you know your inbox and all of the different sections of your email you can condense that down so you don't have to have a giant left sidebar there now which I think is probably the biggest thing that (laughs) the biggest change that I've enjoyed so far so yeah check that out and uh, you can check out last week's show notes if you want to see the verges article with the screenshots before you dive in but there's really nothing to lose by just turning it on in the settings cog it says I think it just says try the new gmail so yeah check that out Okay, and also there is, I guess, a Firefox extension for Facebook (laughs) to contain Facebook because of all the controversy and everything that's been going on with Facebook sharing data, big, you know, shocker. And I've been hearing more, too, about Facebook gathering data on people who aren't even Facebook users. So that's unfortunate. Um, but I guess Firefox has kind of found an extension that kind of helps to wrangle Facebook a little bit to kind of turn off a lot of those third-party requests. And I'll, I'll put a link to Firefox's uh, page for that extension. And that way you can, if you are so inclined to kind of not share your Facebook stuff, as much I don't think it blocks everything but it, it tries to you know tries it does as much as it can to limit all that data sharing so like I said I'll put a link to that so you can install that and and hopefully it'll keep things to a minimum as far as sharing data with Facebook so I keep a Facebook account a personal one but I don't really use it so I know they're still collecting my data and all that stuff but 
Uh, I'm not really giving them much willingly right now, so or anything I should say. But uh, I keep it as a tool to communicate with, you know, certain family members and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I've gone through the should I delete my account thing, you know, but it's come in handy a few times. So I'm just going to keep it for now. So I'm sure I'll go through another struggle, (laughs) you know, as the news goes on with Facebook. So yeah, uh, check out this extension. Maybe it'll be good for you. Okay, so I came across another article on PCMag.com entitled Google, comma, Microsoft push websites to go passwordless. And so what this kind of talks about, the basic gist of it is to kind of set up I guess, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but two-factor authentication where a website will, I guess, communicate with your device so you can use your fingerprint scanner on your phone to log into a website. And I talked a little bit about using the fingerprint fingerprint sensor on your device to uh, log into PayPal to pay, you know, to pay for things and stuff like that. So I guess Microsoft and Google are both trying to get this to be a thing, which I think it's an interesting idea. Um, <laughs> as I'm going through all of this stuff and storing passwords with NPass and stuff like that, I just, you know, I'm not sure. I'll have to to kind of look into this a little bit more and see if I really understand what's going on. But I'll link to the article so you can read more about it. And yeah, like I said, with the NPass, I'm going still trying to go through the process of getting all my passwords in there. So I'm like, is this does this just simply negate everything I'm I'm trying to go through? Obviously, this isn't implemented yet. They're just pushing for it. And I'm the thing is, is if they're pushing for it, Microsoft, Google, they're big hitters. So maybe eventually there will be a system like this where you can use your phone to log into a website on uh, your desktop. So that would be kind of interesting. I'm not sure if it's a good thing at this point, but they're pushing for it. There's usually it's good. uh, Usability is going to be pretty easy. So we'll see how that goes. Check out the link in the show notes. Okay, so the last thing uh, as far as articles go this week that I came across was an article on thenextweb.com, which TNW, if you've never checked out that site, it's a pretty good site. It's entitled Google's new podcast, quote unquote, app is already on your Android phone. So this was something I wasn't aware of. (laughs) Uh, But I guess in the Google search app and in Google Assistant, which I couldn't verify on my LG GQ, maybe it's just not updated for this. But I guess if you search for a podcast, like a search term with and then say, uh, also put in podcast in the in the query there i guess there's an option to start listening and subscribing to podcasts within google search itself or the google assistant and you can subscribe and 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 play and i guess it's a real basic player you know with play and pause and skip forward and skip backward but you can manage your podcast subscriptions or start creating podcast subscriptions in the Google search app, (laughs) which I'm not sure exactly how useful this will be or why they're doing this or why they're taking this approach. I mean, it it's just not real clear to me right now why they would put 
podcast subscription functionality into the Google search app itself. There's no real clear reason for this to me uh, right now, but maybe there is. If, the, if you can think of one, uh, let me know. But I thought it was kind of strange, but, you know, interesting at the same time that they're doing this. So they clearly have some sort of motive <laughs> to do this. Uh, I guess we'll see. But yeah, I guess I, I don't see this anytime soon replacing, you know, your podcast app of choice on your device. You know, I use Podcast Addict on Android and it is a wonderfully full-featured uh, podcast app. And I'll go over that sometime in the future uh, because I think it is pro- one of the best Android uh, podcast apps. But I also use Grover Pro on Windows 10 Mobile, which I think is the best podcast app on Windows 10 Mobile. So uh, again, I'll, maybe, maybe I'll put together something or some notes on the, uh, why I use these podcast apps and maybe like mini reviews of them too. So... But yeah, Google, including this in the Google search app, kind of strange. I'm going to keep my eye out and and see if I can get it working on any of my devices and see how it goes and and just if if it's actually useful. So, okay, so that's all the articles and notes I have for this week. But I was going to talk a little bit this week about how I rip audiobooks that we get at the library and how we set those up on our devices to use in the car and stuff like that. But I didn't get around to kind of putting that process together. I was going to put together a blog post and then talk about it. So hopefully next week I'll be able to have the blog post to kind of accompany the podcast. So however, this week I actually did post a new blog post, the first one since January, I think it was. And it is about, here's here's what I entitled it, how to take raw photos on the LG Q6 dot dot dot. You read that right. <laughs> so if, if you've been listening, you know that I've been using the LG Q6, which has a Snapdragon 435 and is kind of considered, I guess, low end, uh, the low end part of the LG line. But I know they have even lower end devices. So I'm going to call this LG's mid to low end device. But I did discover this week, I was kind of researching phones that could take raw photos. You know, when I research devices, I always want to know, you know, is it does it have the ability to take raw photos? And basically, uh, how to, to, to kind of define raw photos, it essentially takes the a photo from the sensor on the camera kind of as it is, uncompressed, nothing, you know, no processing on it because most devices put a lot of processing on it. Uh, Samsung used to do a lot of processing. So you get a lot of sharpening in the photo. And and usually this is a good thing, you know, if you're just sharing and, and using the photo on the on your device, just on your device's screen, uh, that processing can actually help and, and be a good thing. But it's nice if you're going to, say, edit photos to kind of draw out more detail and you know, basically develop the photos yourself, I guess you would say, because when the phone is processing it after you take the photo, you can kind of consider that developing the photo. Uh, the, the manufacturer takes into account different things and they spit out a photo that they think is better than the one <laughs> that's the raw photo, you know, that the sensor captured. So, but okay, anyway, back to the LG Q6. I, I was saying it's a low-end device, and that's the reason why this was such a surprise. Um, so what I did was after looking at 
a bunch of articles about other phones that take raw photos is I installed the manual camera compatibility app, which is offered by Geeky Devs Studio. And this is officially from the Google Play Store. So there's no rooting. I didn't have to root anything. I didn't have to, you know, install any APK, sideload any APKs or any apps to get this to work. So I installed that compatibility app and it passed all the tests for manual focus, manual white balance, manual ISO, manual shutter speed, which were all normal. But the last test it runs is the raw support test and the LG Q6 passed that too. So just if you didn't know, the in order to take raw photos on Android, I believe you have to have or the phone has to have camera 2 API compatibility or something along those lines. So which not a ton of devices do. A lot of the flagships these days have that included, but I was not expecting it to be on the LG Q6 because it is a low-end device. This is the first low-end device I th- I've seen that can take raw photos. So I put together a blog post about it. And after I found out and or I installed the compatibility app and it all came back with green checks, you know, uh, I in- installed the manual camera app, which is by the same people, the Geeky Dev Studio. And I linked to all this. I'll link to it all in the show notes and also link to the the blog post that I put together because I put together a couple of examples in there too. But the reason they offer the compatibility app is because the manual camera app that they offer is $2.99. And so uh, $2.99. And this way you can kind of test and see if your device will work with their manual camera app, which I think is a nice little <laughs> utility before you buy, you know, try, but it's not a try before you buy, but it's a, a no, a no before you buy, you'll know if it's going to work with your device. So after it passed all the tests, I installed the manual camera app and I tried it out. I opened up the app and tapped on, there's a settings cog that you tap on, and then there is a JPEG icon that you can tap to toggle. And the JPEG and RAW uh, icon toggled on. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, here we go. I can't believe this is working on this low end device. And so I took a photo, and lo and behold, there was a a regular JPEG, you know, about three megabytes, and then there was a 24 megabyte. Uh, DNG, which is the format they use, a raw file, a raw photo, so of the very of the same shot. So it's you know similar to how most devices take a raw photo, they'll give you a JPEG, and then they'll also give you a DNG uh, file, which is the raw file, and it's usually way bigger than the the uh, JPEG file, the original J process JPEG, because there's it's basically untouched by any of the software it just saves the image as it is and that includes a lot of extra information you don't get in a processed jpeg so and the other crazy thing is is that it i noticed that lg's stock photo gallery app was able to preview the dng file the raw file and i was able to hit the edit button (laughs) and actually i guess you would call it developing it but it just I was able to open the DNG and edit it. I, now, you know, I didn't check if what it saved as when I was done. But in the example in my blog post that I did, it's not a super long blog post, but I wanted to put it together so I can get an example of the raw 
photo that it took. Now, keep in mind, this still is a low end sensor on this device. So it's not going to take the same quality raw photos of, you know, a flagship device like the LG uh, G6, which is the the big brother, I guess you would say, of this device. So if you go on the blog post, I just kind of put together a, sh- a small scene <laughs> to do a quick example of, you know, the processed photo versus the raw photo. I pulled the raw image into Photoshop as is and, you know, developed it, I guess you could say. And then I just saved it, saved that as a JPEG to get online on into this blog post. So if you check that out, there is the full scene. And then I also uh, zoomed in or not zoomed in. I cropped the the photos, the process and the raw. So you can kind of see the difference in quality as far as what the sharpening is like on the processed image. And and I used, uh, <laughs> actually used the MD12, uh, Nokia MD12 Bluetooth speaker that I've talked about in the past because it has a bunch of speaker holes on the top and it's kind of brightly colored. So it's actually a really good use case or, you know, it was a really good object to use as an example because, uh, because of the bright, color and the speaker holes the sharpening on the processed image you can tell the difference between that and the raw image because there's a you can see there's a lot more detail in the raw version at least i thought there was uh again go on the website and check it out but um it was really neat to to compare them i couldn't believe that this device took raw photos like i said it's the very first budget device that i've ever seen do that so i don't know if if anybody knows of any other budget devices with this capability uh but let me know and because i'd I'd definitely be curious to know if there's anything outside of this that does so it's it's also kind of strange that this is not advertised on the lg q6 it's not in the stock camera app there are I, I haven't really tried any other camera apps with this other than this manual camera, but it's not an advertised feature. I'm guessing because the quality of the raw photos isn't super great. You know, it's still again, it's a low end phone. And that's why I'm even talking about this. That's why I'm even mentioning it and, and writing a blog post about it, because it's a kind of a an odd thing <laughs> to have found. So very cool though it's definitely upped my opinion of the q6 and i think that this just kind of adds to the the plethora of this of features in the lg software which has really grown on me i mean every day i feel like i'm i'm finding something finding their features and and the things that they add on top of android actually really useful so which has kind of made me want to get an LG G6 uh, to kind of see even more features that they offer on that device because there's a few extra features on that. Plus, the cameras are a lot better on that device, so with the wide angle and all that stuff. But we'll see. I know I talked a lot, uh, a little bit about the LG G6 and potentially getting that last week, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I think I'm still in the market and still looking at getting potentially getting, you know, a decent Android device in hand. Not to say that the ones I have aren't decent, but they're all budget devices. So the search continues. Okay, so that wraps everything up for this week. Uh, Super excited about that Q6 raw photo shooting. But uh, hopefully next week, I'll be able to talk a little bit about the process that I go through 
for creating audiobooks. It's not super exciting, uh, be warned. <laughs> it's just kind of a basic process, but um, you know, it might be helpful to somebody out there who's who likes to get audiobooks from the library but can't necessarily always get them back in time, you know, or within the the checkout period. So, uh, yeah, it should be useful to someone, hopefully. To me, at least, to put out there and, and have a guide uh, will help be helpful for me, too. So, yeah, check out pixelswim.com for the show notes and the social links and all that stuff. And I appreciate you tuning in again. It's been <laughs> good. Uh, I didn't get a guest for April. I'm sorry about that. Hopefully, I'll get one for May, and we will be able to... It'll be more than just me <laughs> jabbering on for a half hour or so. So I uh, appreciate you tuning in again. Thank you so much for that. It's been fun up until this point. So I don't see why it would change after this. So, okay. So have a good evening or morning or dusk or any other time of day it is <laughs> when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed. <laughs>